0: A second characteristic of high morale groups is this. Everyone believes that the leaders are putting the group's welfare first. There is always a large question in a person's mind when deciding how enthusiastically to join in any organization. Are these leaders out for themselves and merely trying to whip up enthusiasm for their projects? Or will they make sure that this enterprise is beneficial for all of us? In companies where the prevailing philosophy is to get as much from the employees as possible and to give them as little as possible new workers catch on very quickly and have no compunctions about sabotaging the management and carrying home supplies in their pockets every evening by contrast consider Andrew Carnegie who took the position that no man can become rich without himself enriching others and built a high morale organization that indeed made him rich. If we can convince a group of people that it is all for one and one for all, great power can be released. Jean Roubault, head of the multinational Schlumberger company, says that the best way to get on in the world is to make people believe it is to their advantage to help you. Such a policy can be highly manipulative if we try to convince people that it is to their advantage to help us when it is not. On the other hand, if we believe in a project and are committed to collaboration as a means of achieving it, and if we intend to share the dividends with our people, then we should be saying it to them over and over. The same principle applies to family leadership. When children believe that family rules are only for the convenience of the parents, it is not very motivating. A girl may be convinced that her mother insists on certain kinds of behavior only because she does not want to be embarrassed before her friends. But if children can be persuaded that the family exists for everyone's benefit and that the rules have been set to help members function best, they will be much more sympathetic to those rules. Strong leadership, even autocratic leadership, can be tolerated by most people so long as it is clear that the leader is devoted to the good of all. In his book American Caesar, William Manchester tries to analyze the remarkable loyalty which Colonel Douglas MacArthur elicited from his men during World War I. When it was all over, MacArthur won seven silver stars, two Distinguished Service Crosses, and the Distinguished Service Medal. Those medals were in part due to his bravery, of course, but they were also due to his ability to elicit a fierce loyalty from his troops. And how did he do that? Here is William Manchester's list. He was closer to their age than other senior officers. He shared their discomforts and their danger, and he adored them in return. That last phrase is the key. He adored them in return. For all his ecomania and emotional distortions, MacArthur had one redeeming virtue which fired his men's passions. He cared for them deeply. Highly motivated groups know that their leader loves them profoundly and will be loyal to them to the end.